Good afternoon, it's 12 o'clock and welcome to the MoneyWeb at Midday Show. This show is brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. My name is Rijk van Niekerk. Well, the JSC is bucking the international trend again. It is a pretty flat despite markets in Southeast Asia and Europe trading higher and a slightly weaker rand. And in a minute, I'll speak to Wayne McCurry of FNB Wealth and Investments about this trend. In the show, we will also look at the CPI number that was released this morning. Inflation in June rose by 4.6%, which is uh, slightly higher than the 4.4% measured in May, uh, but lower than the uh, consensus uh, expectation from economists of around 4.8%. We'll also talk about Steinoff, who has again extended its deadline for the lockup agreement with creditors. And uh, another interesting story is that Berkshire Hathaway has finally bent the knee to pressure to return some of its $110 billion cash stockpile to shareholders. Um, It has been described as a tectonic shift for Buffett, uh, Warren Buffett, and uh, it's interesting to to note that he is struggling to find value in the current market. Then the Vukili Property Fund also made a significant acquisition in Spain, uh, around 7.2 billion rand, and I'll speak to CEO Lawrence Rapp um, about this sizable transaction. But first, let's look at the indicators. The JSE All Share is currently trading up 0.07%. Resources are higher uh, by 1%. Industrials are trading down 0.2%, as does the financial index. The gold index is trading down 0.6%. Uh, let's look at international market. In Europe, the FTSE 100 is, uh, has gained 0.6%. The DAX is trading 0.8% higher, and the CAC 40 has gained 0.5%. Earlier in Southeast Asia, the Nikkei gained 0.4%. Shanghai gained 0.3%, while the Hang Seng uh, traded down 0.2%. Let's look uh, at individual shares that are on the move. Billiton has gained uh, 2.2%. Richmond, one8 South 32 has also gained one and three quarters of a percent, as did the retailer Clicks. Vodacom is also trading up 1.6 percent, Santam also 1 percent higher. On the downside, the Vukili property fund down 3.9 percent, probably in reaction to the 7.2 billion rand acquisition in Spain. The uh, JSE uh, also is trading down 3 percent, Sabania Gold down 2.75. Astral down 1.9, CAP 1.7, and uh, the Fushini Group and AECI also trading down around 1.5%. Let's look at currencies. The Rand is trading at 13 Rand 32 against the dollar, 17 Rand 35 against the pound, and 15.48 against the euro. The dollar is trading at 112. Uh, well, actually, 113 yen. Um, the uh, euro is trading at $1.16, and the pound is trading at $1.30. Bitcoin uh, seems to uh, keep some momentum. It has gained over the last uh, few days, currently trading at $7,382, or 101,940 rand. Um, gold is trading at $1,222. Uh, platinum is trading at 807 Dollars down significantly. Brent oil, Brent crude is trading at seventy-one dollars thirty-eight. Some good news there. The R one eight six is trading at eight point six seven percent. On the line is Wayne McCurry of FNB Wealth and Investments. So Wayne, we uh, seem to lag international markets now again, and it's been a few days in a row now. 
Yeah, look, I suppose you can say it's relatively marginal, but we were up strongly yesterday, so the market being slightly up today is probably reasonable given, you know, a little bit of uncertainty as to what's going to happen with global trade wars, et cetera, et cetera. Look, we had five days of losses and one day of gains, so certainly yesterday's gain was most welcome. The currency, 1332, um, you know, we did see CPI numbers. I don't think it would affect it, actually, because there are no surprises there. Um, yes. But it's, again, uh, probably the dollar. Very much so. I mean, you must understand, look, roughly speaking, anywhere between 12 and 14 is actually fair value for the rand. So the rand's more or less right in slap bang in the middle of uh, fair value. So certainly we wouldn't expect the rand to go back to 1150 under the sort of peak of Ramaphoria, but also we're not going to get zoomophobia and go back to 15 or 16 quite quickly. So anywhere in this sort of range, somewhere around 13, is over the longer term actually fair value for the currency. So we mustn't despair in South Africa that, you know, the rand's massively, you know, undervalued or cheap. It's actually at fair value. But I think the, a lot of the concerns, uh, you know, relate to the volatility. You know, I think yes. if we have a stable rand, it, it will be a lot more beneficial to the country than this expectation oh, yes. that it may move one or two rand against the currencies uh, in a very short period of time. But get used to that. That's the rand. It always has been. Nothing, nothing's changed there. The rand is a very volatile country uh, currency. If you look at the rand and you look at the rand in comparison to fair value. Now, as I said earlier on, the RAND's trading more or less at fair value, and fair value is somewhere between 12 and 14. And if you use that same principle going back, oh, 30 years if you want to go back as long as you like, but going back a long time, the RAND spends 70% of its time outside that fair value range. So 70% of the time, the RAND's incorrectly valued, either too cheap or too expensive. So only at 30% of the time period is the rand within a fair distance from fair value. So in other words, volatility is the rand, and the rand is volatility. There's, the two are unfortunately inseparable. Mm. The uh, platinum price, $807. Yes. Uh, not too long ago, yes. it was over 900 And surely this must put a lot of pressure on the profitability of oh, yes. the platinum mines. No, hugely so. I mean, I mean, not that long ago, it was 1800 rand, $1,800 an ounce. But, you know, those days are long gone. Simplistically, at $800 an ounce and taking into account the rhodium price and the palladium price, about 70% of South African production is underwater, is losing money every single day. And the price, and of course, that is unsustainable over time. No business can continue to operate at massive losses. And, and in fact, not just massive losses, even higher cash flow negative because they're going to spend a lot of capital expenditure as well. So we know it's unsustainable at these prices because eventually mines will either go bankrupt or they'll shut down. So, but you don't know whether it's in three years' time or five years' time. It seems very likely that the price will bounce off this 800 and maybe go to 850 or 880 or 900. But my own personal view is we will get a sustainable rise in the platinum and palladium prices, but not in the shorter term. In the shorter term, unfortunately, the industry is just going to have to suffer, maybe suffer a little less because the price can go for $100, and I think it's 
probably reasonable to expect that. But for the industry to be sustainable, the price has got to go up $300, $400. And I think that is still a, a way off. Yeah, a lot of headwinds uh, in that industry as well. Um, the CPI number out today, 4.6%. Yes. It's slightly higher than in May, but less than expectations. Yeah. Not a surprise, but it should lead to flat interest rates. Yes, I mean, the Reserve Bank meets tomorrow. That will be flat. What's actually more interesting to me is I went to a presentation yesterday regarding uh, the first quarter GDP number, and it's the, the, I suppose the whole rationale behind this presentation is that there is a consistent inconsistency as to how the first quarter GDP is measured. And it's to do a very statistical resulting, but it's to do with these sort of smoothing factors that they use. So you can compare one quarter against another, and it's called seasonal adjustment for all of this. And the bottom line is, for some statistical reason, quarter one GDP is consistently lower than what it should be, and you get the bounce in quarter two. And if that's right, and we get a quarter two bounce, and it's strong, you know, then the expectations around South African growth will, will change for the positive, and that might influence the Reserve Bank's decision. But given the information they've got today, there's no reason for them to increase interest rates for a while. Yeah. Interesting story from the U.S. Berkshire Hathaway uh, has given Warren Buffett the go-ahead to give some of the $110 billion in cash back to shareholders. You know, that $110 billion, that's uh, more than, well, yeah, a lot more than our income budget for the whole country, uh, the government's income budget. Um, yes. You know, that is just significant. And, the, the, you know, Warren Buffett has always said he can make more money uh, for shareholders than they could if he uh, actually um, gives money back in the form of a dividend or a stock buyback. Yeah. Uh, what are your views? Well, look, I mean, everyone's, every company, that, that's their basic sort of thesis they come from. They say, I can apply your money better than what you can. But times have changed, and now you consistently see companies paying out high cash balances, either via share buyback or via special dividends or just decreasing their dividend cover and paying you more dividends. But yes, I mean, obviously, you would spend it if you thought it was wise. So inherently, that's also telling you, as you said earlier on, that he can't find a nice, what he thinks is a good place to spend the money. Otherwise, he would. So he's handing it back. Well, that's an interesting development. Just lastly, Steinhoff extended its deadline for the lockup agreements for creditors again. Uh, can Should we read anything yeah. into that? No, it's only 24 hours. I think there's just some technical issues and some timing issues there. The creditors have got no option. They have to come along to the party mm. because their options are quite simple. You either get nothing or you get the possibility of maybe getting something into the future. So... I mean, anything's better than nothing. So they in. So Steinhoff can change the deadline. Steinhoff can almost do what they want to. The creditors are in here because if they pull the plug now, they get zero. Well, thank you, Wayne. That was Wayne McCurry of FNB Wealth and Investments. On the line now is Lawrence Rapp. He is the CEO of the Vukili Property Group. Uh, and the group acquired a controlling shareholding in four shopping centers in Spain. 
for 7.2 billion rand and this would boost the international exposure to uh, nearly 50 percent lawrence uh, thank you for joining us uh, this is a pretty big transaction um what was your international exposure before this acquisition all right thanks very much and uh, thanks for having me on the show Prior to this deal, uh, Wakile offshore exposure was sitting at 30%. Um, it was reported at year-end at 25%, and that was in March, and then we did another deal was closed in May. So that pushed it up to 30 um, and that will now move up to about 47% um, offshore. That is uh, pretty significant. Um, uh, but you're buying four shopping centers. Uh, you know, I tried to do some research into the value of local shopping centers to give some perspective. Uh, for example, the Mall of Africa was valued at around 5 billion rand. Um, so this is uh, significant. But can you just explain or, you know, tell us exactly how big these uh, centers are and how strategic they are? So, look, we're ecstatic with the deal, obviously. Um, you know, we've made a strong commitment to Spain. Uh, we've grown very quickly there and built a really good business with, uh, you know, top quality management team on the ground. Um, this deal came along. Um, it's, it's four assets. They are, are sizable assets. They're dominant in the areas that they, they operate in. Uh, we're actually buying from Univell Rodamco, who's, I think, the largest property company in the world now following their, uh, their Westfield deal. Um, and these are assets that are maybe smaller in their life, but but very large in ours. So the largest asset we're buying um, is the El Faro Center, which is in uh, a city called Badajoz. Um, it's got a GLA of about 43,000 square meters, and that's worth about 157 uh, million euros. So that's a very large property, uh, you know, even in the context of, of South Africa. Uh, there's one in a place called Cadiz, um, that's also a dominant shopping center, no competition. And then there are two sort of more convenient centers, um, one in Seville and one in a city called Valladolid. So these are really high quality assets, um, great finishers, great tenant mix, and uh, as I said, dominant in their markets. 43,000 square meters, um, compa- which local or South African shopping center would fit that bill? So a, a couple of interesting comments. You know, the the one is I, I'm not sure that that size is always the best indicator of a good shopping centre. I think you can make centres too big, um, and tenants tend to to oversize, and then they want to sort of cut space back. Um, it's very difficult to find the tenants to to fill centres of, of that size. Another comment, though, um, you know, in the in the Spanish market, what's a little bit different is is not you tend to not always buy the full shopping centre. Yourself, often the the supermarket, for example, will own their own property as part of the shopping centre. So something like uh, like El Faro um, has got a hypermarket uh, version uh, called Hippocore and El Corte Inglés, which are owner occupied. What we're buying is the uh, you know the uh, 40, 43,000 square meters. But to try and put it into perspective, uh, we just opened a new mall. Uh, we own twenty five percent of that in Springs. That's forty five thousand square meters. Uh, we've got a 30% stake in a, in a mall in uh, Torrando called Tavani Mall, and that's 50,000 squares. And then the Vokile flagship in South Africa is Eastern Mall that we, we co-own with Redefine. That is, in fact, 70,000 square meters. So the size of these assets doesn't detract from the dominance that they have in their market and the very strong tenant mix that they carry. And just to maybe elaborate on that, you know, 90, 92% of the income in these centers comes from national and international tenants. So when we talk about a blue chip tenant mix, 
this is the best that one can get. Um, why do you like uh, the Spanish market so much? We, we see many South African um, property groups invest in the UK and Eastern Europe, um, but you, you seem to focus on the Spanish market. What is so attractive there? So, we, you know, when we're looking at our internationalization strategy, um, we, we do like the UK as well. We have got a stake in Atlantic Leaf. We own 35% of that, and that operates in the UK. Um, we, we took two decisions. Um, one was to say that one of the big macro plays, I think, that will, will, will play out, and we're seeing it now, is a rise in, in interest rates in, in the U.S., and uh, I think you'll see more the, the easing of, Q, um, of, well, the relaxation of QE in, um, in Europe. And that will cause a flow of funds from emerging markets to developed markets. And we felt that we would get better diversification for our shareholders by investing in a developed market as opposed to an emerging market. And that was one of the reasons why we didn't want to look at Eastern Europe. And the second is a very pragmatic reason of saying there already is a large South African contingent there. So what would we actually add to the SA investor base by being another player in Eastern Europe? So rather, we spent our time looking at other developed markets to go into. Um, and while we were exploring, an opportunity came to partner with a, uh, a very strong South African property player who'd relocated to Spain. And uh, we liked the story. We spent a lot of time evaluating it. And really, um, you know, it, it, it's a great story. It's a macroeconomic recovery. Spain is outperforming the EU in terms of GDP growth and is forecast to continue doing so. You've got a huge tourist uh, market. It's the second largest uh, tourist destination in the world. Declining unemployment, increasing consumer confidence, very stable uh, inflation rates. So all of the, the fundamentals, I guess, that one would look at from a property point of view um, are, are in place. And uh, when you sort of dig a bit deeper into the property market, there's a lot of debt in the market, and that's what we like. It's, it's a major investment destination in the world. Um, you know, if you need to sell an asset, there are buyers. Um, I'm not sure the Eastern European markets have got as much debt as the, uh, as the Spanish market. And Spain is the fourth largest economy in Europe. So we're very excited that we got in at the right time. Uh, we've built a good platform. And as I always say, we operate on the ground as locals. We have a Spanish management team there. We've got between 15 and 20 years' experience each in the market. Um, they know the players, they know the culture, they know the environment. And I think that's be- becoming our source of advantage in the market. I'm looking at a graph uh, from Trading Economics, which s- suggests that the uh, Spanish economy grew by 0.7% in Q1, which is lower than the, the around 2% of the EU. Um, obviously, this could be an anomaly, but uh, do you expect strong economic growth flowing from Spain relative to the, the rest of the, the continent? Yes, I think the, uh, the, certainly the, the forecast um, for Spain is to grow at around 3% um, based on sort of all the various uh, macroeconomic research that we read in Spain uh, coming you know, a lot more from the banking sector there. Um, and that is ahead of the Eurozone, which I think is coming in at about 2%. So certainly if you look the last, say, three years, Spain has outperformed EU GDP growth. And all the forecasts we're reading from multiple uh, research houses is indicating that there are, you know, set to outperform the Eurozone. Uh, the South African business, are you looking to expand locally in the near future? We are. I think that's a very important message. Um, so that Bukile has not lost interest in South Africa. We are still very keen to invest money here. 
We're keen to grow. We believe we've got an unbelievable team in South Africa, very strong asset managers, and a really great portfolio that we've put together. The challenge we've had over the last couple of years is finding assets. So I think what, you, what you're seeing is that most people, uh, most investors in property feel that retail is in fact the sector to be in, which means that not many people are selling their assets. When we do see an asset, we think the pricing expectations are maybe out of kilter. And, um, you know, we're very focused on, on doing value-enhancing deals at Fukile. So we are continually looking for deals. Um, if we don't see, we don't do. Uh, but if we do see them at the right price and the right assets, we are certainly have got an appetite and would like to do the deals. We're currently seeing several construction companies really struggling. Basil Reed and the Liviero Group, they are in business rescue. Group 5 and some of the others are exiting the big you know, construction projects um, as they do not uh, actually see any contracts in the market. Um, how, how would that impact you know, not only Vukili but other REITs as well? Well, we actually see it strangely in a positive light. Because, you know, one of the issues you've seen in South Africa over the last number of years in, in all sectors, but, but retail, you know, also had it, was a, a, an oversupply of product coming to the market. Um, and when that comes to the market, that tends to drive rentals down. Um, if we start to see a contraction of new projects coming to the market, um, and I think that's the pressure being put onto the construction companies, what that means is that supply is going to start drying up. And if you end up with excess demand over supply, pricing power then moves into the uh, the real estate sector. So, um, you know, whilst it's never nice to see a sector of the economy under pressure, um, I do think that the consequences of that might, in fact, you know, if my analysis is correct, be positive for the property market because it will mean really just a shrinking of supply of new products and hence, you know, maybe more pricing power coming in. Mm. Well, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Lawrence. That was Lawrence Rapp. Great. He is the CEO of Vukile. Well, unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. The show was brought to you by the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, Leaders in Business. And that's it for this edition of the MoneyWeb Admiral Show. My name is Raik van Ikerk, and thank you for tuning in. Numbers rule the world. Inflation, interest rates, petrol price. And when numbers change, you need to know how to respond especially when it comes to business. Partner with a chartered accountant and get far more than a numbers person. A CASA is equipped with holistic business acumen and decision-making expertise when evaluating your business's future growth. Partner with a responsible leader in business. Partner with a CASA today. Go to saika.co.za. 